Good morning, everybody. It is a joy to be with you. And today we're going to be bringing to a close the sermon series that we've been on in, for a number of weeks regarding sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. And it's appropriate that we bring this series to a conclusion today because today is Pentecost Sunday. And so uh, you'll see that I'm wearing red. Red is often associated with Pentecost. Uh, you may not be wearing red, but if you have something red, you can focus on it or look at something red later. And when you do, be reminded that today is Pentecost Sunday. And we're gonna be diving into what that means and how that relates to sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. So as we get ready to do that, I wanna invite you to join with me in Acts chapter two. And we're gonna read a number of portions from Acts chapter two, not the entire chapter, but we're gonna begin with verses one through four. And we hear these words. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Picking up in verse 14, Then Peter said, or stood up I should say with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved." When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them, and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. I want to invite us to begin to let the imagery of those words seep into our hearts and minds today. And as we do, I invite you now to join with me in a word of prayer as we get ready to dive into God's word with one another. Let's pray. Almighty God, this day, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, shaking us to new life in you. O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So it gives me so much joy to be able to go through Acts chapter 2 with you here this morning because today for me, is one of my absolute favorite days in the entire year, especially in the Christian year when we gather together and celebrate. For me, Pentecost ranks right up there with Christmas and Easter. Like, it really does. Like, I get that excited about it. 
because Pentecost is a, is a holy and special and wonderful day. It's the birth day of the church. <laughs> and we all know that birthdays are wonderful days. Birthdays are days of good news to celebrate life. There are opportunities to give thanks for someone or something going on among us. I've been grateful in our family over the last month. Our family isn't even that big, but just in the last four weeks or so, we've had a number of birthdays to celebrate. We celebrated my dad's birthday. We celebrated Alex turning 21. My uncle had a birthday. My sister-in-law had a birthday. And then just this past week, our son Josh turned 19. So we've had lots and lots of birthdays to celebrate, and it's been really fun with each one of them to remember each of those individuals and celebrate them and lift them up with all of their unique and wonderful giftedness. Each one of those people has been an opportunity to share and experience good news with them. It's similar coming into the life of the church here today as we celebrate the birth day of the church. That's what happens at Pentecost as the Holy Spirit comes down among God's people. I think one of the reasons that I love this day so much is because we discover it is such a unique day. It is safe to say there has never been a day quite like this before in the life of the church. And actually, there's never been another day exactly like it since the original Pentecost. It is simultaneously a strange and wonderful day. Now, it's strange at many levels. Like, if we just step back and take a look at this, there's a lot of unique, even strange elements happening throughout this story here this morning. For starters, Luke lists those observing Pentecost gathering as a most unique assembly of people. In Acts chapter 2, verses 5 through 12, we hear of this very strange grouping of people from lots of different places. It's a mouthful, in fact, if you read all the names. If you were to go back to those verses and read them, you would hear of Parthians and Medes, of Elamites, of Mesopotamia residents. You would hear of people from Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus, from Asia and Phrygia, from Pamphylia and Egypt and Libya, from Rome and from Crete, and from uh, including Arabs as well. I mean, try to say all of those names three times fast. I'm certainly not going to try to do that today. Getting through it once is enough for me. But what's interesting to me as we go through these names is that some of these groups, groups like the Elamites and the Cretes and the Medes, they're mostly a forgotten people. The Medes in particular had been wiped out as a nation centuries before this time, and yet their name is included in the list. It's kind of strange when you stop and think about it. We're told in Acts chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, that the Holy Spirit comes as a rushing wind in the form of tongues of fire that come to separate and rest on each of them. Now, even in the church gathering, when we, those of you, when we gather physically, even when all the, the, the pipes start banging because of the cold weather and the hot water running through the pipes, that would be nothing in comparison to the rushing of the Holy Spirit among the people this day, and then with tongues of fire coming upon them to boot. You have to admit, that's kind of strange. In Acts chapter 2, verse 15, things are so out of the ordinary that Peter has to proclaim, now look, I know that some of you are acting strangely here, but trust me, they're not yet drunk. It's only nine in the morning. Now, that's a strange statement for Peter to make. That sounds more like a description at a frat party, of talking about the need to understand people and saying, hey, they're not really drunk, than it does like a worship gathering of God's people. And then did you notice who the primary speaker for the sermon was today? It was Peter. 
Yeah, Peter, the very same one who not very long ago was so scared to speak up on behalf of God that he wouldn't even admit to a servant girl that he knew Jesus. He denied Jesus three times, and now he's the keynote speaker. He's giving the primary sermon on this Pentecost Sunday. Seems that he's now found his voice. He has been transformed in Christ. It's rather incredible and strange. It seems this God will use anyone, even those who have failed him. So, yeah, I think it's pretty fair to say that this birthday of the church, it is a strange and unique day, but it is also an absolutely wonderful day. It is a day filled with so much good news, and it is so often the case, God does things in a way that you and I would not choose to do. And with each one of these strange realities that we've just named, we also discover good news in the midst of each of them. To put all of this into perspective, Jesus had declared in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, that his followers would receive power so that they might go and be witnesses, even to the very end of the earth, to share the good news. And what is the source of that power in which they are sent? The power source is the Holy Spirit. And what again is it that they are witnessing to the very ends of the earth? It's the good news of Jesus. So the last thing that we hear Jesus telling his disciples here in the book of Acts is this, that the power source of the Holy Spirit allows us to share the good news of Jesus Christ with everyone, even people to the very ends of the earth. Now look what Jesus does here. He says, you will receive power. And here's what I want you to go and do with that power. Go and share my good news, again, even to the very ends of the earth. Now, as we've noted many times, final words are important. So here, Jesus is leaving absolutely no doubt that when it comes to good news, it's not meant to be an afterthought. It's not meant to be something if you feel like doing it. It is central to who we are as Christians to be sent to share, to tell others the good news of Jesus Christ. It almost seems like Jesus is saying here, there's nothing that's going to be even more important than what I'm just sharing with you right now that I want you to share this good news with others. Tell others who do not yet know or have not yet experienced the good news. And I'm not even gonna leave this in your hands by yourself, says Jesus. It's so important, I'm going with you. I'm empowering you in the power of the Holy Spirit, so you don't even have to do it all by yourself. I'll go with you, says Jesus. Which all brings us then to today, this celebration, the birth of the church, Pentecost. Now, for many weeks, we've been celebrating, we've been focusing on the good news of Jesus Christ, the one who defeated death, the one who left the tomb empty, the one who was resurrected into new life and shares that new life with you and me. And it all comes now into a, a central focus here this morning on this strange and wonderful and holy and powerful day of Pentecost. Well, what is it then we can learn about sharing the good news from this encounter this description here in Acts chapter 2, there's a lot actually on how we learn to share the good news. Now, first, remember, we said this is an odd, eccentric group of people who have gathered where the Holy Spirit descends upon them. Groups such as the Elamites, the Cretans, the Medes. And one obvious element that we notice here in sharing the good news is that it's meant then for everyone. So from moment one, the Holy Spirit comes, and it comes across this very diverse group of people, people from everywhere. It could not be much more obvious that the gospel, the good news, is meant for everyone. 
This is a radical shift from the Old Testament, where in the Old Testament, the focus was on the Jewish people who would then go and share with the rest of the world. Here, as the story of the church begins in the New Testament, we see from moment one, the Holy Spirit is open to all people immediately. We no longer have to go through just the Jewish people. It's upon everybody. I'm guessing it doesn't surprise most of us too much to say that the good news is for everyone, but there's even more than that going on here. If you look carefully, look at the groups I listed once again. Some of these groups are groups that are barely remembered in history. Those Elamites that I mentioned, they had actually been defeated and absorbed by other empires in their history. And the Medes, they'd actually been wiped out as a nation centuries before this time. You know what that means? When we say that God loves everyone, that means the powerful and the well-known, but also the powerless. People like the Elamites who had been defeated who no longer hold power, who in the eyes of the world are forgotten. And when we say, therefore, that God loves everyone, that means those who are noticed by others, the rich and the powerful and the famous, but also the forgotten and the powerless. People like the Medes, whose nation had been forgotten. Even these people, especially these people, Jesus says, I see you and the good news is for you. I find this striking. Who is somebody that you know today who's generally forgotten by others? Who is somebody that you know that people rarely see? Will you share the good news with them? Will you let them know that you see them, you love them, you value them? Who is someone today that you see that nobody is speaking up for? somebody who needs to hear the power of the good news. Will you share the good news with them? And then we get to Acts chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, and here we hear the Holy Spirit coming as a rushing wind and in tongues of fire that separate and come down on the individuals to rest on each one of them. The sheer imagery here is powerful. Just try to get an image in your mind of what this might begin to look like. And can you imagine if we suddenly right now saw flames come down on everyone's head? Imagine where you are right now looking up and seeing fire coming down and resting right upon you or whoever you might be with looking around and you see fire hovering over their heads. What would you do? What would that be like? I would love to know why God chose the imagery of fire here. The wind makes sense to me. Uh, the word for spirit in Greek is pneuma. It means spirit, breath, soul, wind. I, I get the wind part of why that might have been part of the imagery, but the fire? I'm not so sure. But here's a guess, and I just want to confess to you, this is a Matt Lake theory, so you can feel free to throw it out. But as I've looked at this, I've wondered if part of the reason for the fire wasn't twofold. One, fire purifies. Fire melts things. Fire brings a heat that cannot be denied. And when the Holy Spirit is active in our lives, it also purifies. The Holy Spirit melts our hearts. It warms our hearts. It's this conversion experience that John Wesley felt in his heart when he said it was strangely warmed. My guess is that it was warmed by the fire of the Holy Spirit coming upon him. Maybe some of you have experienced the heat of the Holy Spirit as well. 
This is one reason I think the Holy Spirit may have come in this form of tongues of fire. But the other reason that I think and wonder is because if you look in the Old Testament, you might remember that God led God's people for a while in the desert before they got into the promised land. And God was understood to take up residence among the people in this thing called the tabernacle. And the tabernacle was considered holy because it's where God stayed. It's where God resided, as it were. But whenever God wanted the people of God to move from one location to another, God would come to them by a cloud during the day, and at night, God would come as a pillar of fire. And the fire represented God, but it represented that God only came so close. It stayed at a distance as it led. So you could look into the sky, see the fire, and follow it. But it was at a distance. But now here at Pentecost, no more distance. The fire, the Holy Spirit fire, comes close. It gets personal. It gets intimate. And it comes to rest on each person who's present. And what did that Holy Spirit fire allow? It empowered those who were present to speak the language of the people around them so that the love, the good news of God could be understood in their own language. No more language barriers. The followers of God were empowered to speak in a way that those around them could understand. Now, usually when you and I think of different languages and being empowered to speak in different languages, we might think of Chinese or French, we might think of Aramaic or Spanish, we might think of German or Japanese. And I have no doubt that the Holy Spirit empowered individuals at Pentecost to speak the national languages of those around them. And I have no doubt that today the Holy Spirit can empower people to speak the languages of those around them and of other nationalities. But I also think that the Holy Spirit empowers us to speak beyond foreign languages. I think the Holy Spirit empowers us in a way that those immediately around us can hear and receive the good news in a way that they can comprehend and understand. So some of us, I think, are empowered to speak in a way that our youth can understand and receive the good news. And some of us are empowered to speak in a way that our children can understand and receive the good news. And some of us are empowered to speak grace to others so that they can receive and hear the good news. And some of us are empowered to speak truth in a way that those around us can hear and receive and understand. And some of us are empowered to speak in such a way in our workplace that our coworkers and our neighbors can come to understand and receive the good news. And some of us are empowered to speak to those in powerful places to receive the good news. And some of us are empowered to speak to the powerless to understand and receive the good news. What language is the Holy Spirit giving to you to share the good news? Who do you know that needs to receive it this day? Where do you need emboldened and empowered to share it? Almost everybody that I know, at least age 12 or 13 or more, has one of these. <laughs> uh, these things, iPhones, are absolutely incredible. Uh, they share whatever kind of information we can think of and need at any time. And you can share TikToks and Snapchat and Instagram and you can jump on Facebook. You can share video clips. You can even be in a different country and use different apps to translate the language for you so you can understand other individuals and they can understand you. But interestingly, any iPhone still needs a power source to work. 
They can only share the relevant language around them in ways we can understand when they are powered up. So most of us never go too far with our iPhone without also having access to a charger. In fact, in our house, chargers seem to rank right up there with money and food, if not more so. You never go anywhere very far without knowing where you will have access to a charger. It's actually become sort of, sort of, a joke in our house when one of our children, who shall not be named, but when he <laughs> either takes one of my chargers or Jen's chargers and doesn't put it back where he got it, we tell him he owes us money. <laughs> because he's gotten into this awful habit of taking our chargers and not putting them back. And that's significant because these incredible instruments that can contextualize information and can share with us in relevant ways still only work with a proper power source. It's the same for you and I. Jesus does not send us out alone to share in relevant ways and in languages that those around us can understand the good news by ourselves or just in our own strength because you and I fairly quickly run out of strength. You and I also need a power source beyond ourselves and that power source is the Holy Spirit that comes and fills us up and lets us share the good news with those around us in ways they can hear and understand. Who is God placing on your heart to share the good news with in a way that you alone might uniquely be equipped to share in a way they can hear and receive and be amazed? How do you need to be empowered to do that? The Holy Spirit will help you. As strange as the tongues of fire may seem to us, there may be no more surprising element in what we hear today than in Acts 2.14, where it says, Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. Look who's speaking. It's Peter. This is a remarkable turnaround. In the Gospels of Matthew and Mark and Luke, the last time we actually heard from Peter is when he was actively denying he ever knew Jesus. And now he's giving this incredible sermon on Pentecost Sunday. Then in the Gospel of John, we see Jesus taking time to restore Peter and telling Peter to go and share the good news with others. In fact, not once, not twice, but three times, Jesus tells Peter to go and feed his sheep. Go and share the good news with others. And Peter insists that he loves Jesus and he's willing to do what the Lord is asking him to do. But up until this point in Acts, we can't tell that Peter's done anything to indicate if he actually is going to do what he said he would do. The last time that Peter had a chance to prove himself and share good news was with a servant girl in a courtyard where he failed miserably. So I wonder what was going on in Peter's mind today, right before he began speaking here in the book of Acts to deliver this sermon. I wonder if his past failures were nagging in the back of his mind. I wonder if doubt was beginning to settle in if he could really do this. Could he really share the good news with a sense of integrity? I wonder if he even considered himself worthy of sharing the good news. But thankfully, by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, he did. I wonder how many of us might be hesitant to share the good news, not because we doubt God, but because we doubt ourselves. 
maybe our own failures, our own doubts, our own insecurities hold us back. Maybe our own fear of hypocrisy or maybe feeling like we don't know enough or how best to share the good news or maybe we fear looking like a hypocrite ourselves holds us back. If you feel that way, you're not alone. Jesus loves you and Jesus still wants to use you to share the good news. There's nowhere so far that you can run or hide that God can't still use you and bring you back and use you in a significant way in sharing the good news of others. And if you doubt that, look no farther today than to Peter, who empowered in the power of the Holy Spirit, delivers one of the most significant sermons and sharings of the good news in the history of the church. The one who had lost his voice now finds it in the most extraordinary way. This is a God who redeems. That in and of itself is good news. Today may you receive God's grace and forgiveness, but also the courage and the willingness to share the good news with those that God has placed in your orbit of influence. May you use your voice to share that good news. The Holy Spirit allows you to use your unique voice to share the good news with others. And it seems this God will use anyone, anyone, even those who have failed him before, to share the good news now. You don't have to feel particularly qualified, particularly gifted. You don't have to have a ton of courage. You don't have to feel like you have all the right articulation. You don't have to worry about the exact right words to speak because you're not alone. Today, the Holy Spirit comes to empower you and provide you what you need. So go and do it and share the good news. We began this sermon series by asking a couple questions. How good is the good news of Jesus to me? And then who can I share this good news of Jesus with in an authentic, loving, relevant, and joyful way so that they can experience the good news as I do? Who might that be for you, church? Do you have a particular language you can speak? If you have a language that relates well to youth, talk to Caroline here at the church and she can help you connect to share that good news with those youth among us. Do you have the gift of speaking this language of good news with children? Talk to Courtney. Do you have the ability to share the good news in new places with new people who aren't familiar with church? Talk to Michael and the Acts Network. Do you have an ability to share digitally the good news? Talk to Katie and what it looks like in, in serving and sharing in the tech world. Do you have a neighbor or a coworker who needs to hear the good news? You might be the very one God through the Holy Spirit wants to use to share that good news. When was the last time the Holy Spirit melted your heart? May it be melted afresh and anew today. And you who are scared or unsure or, or worried, go this day in the power of the Holy Spirit. Because remember, as Peter shared in Acts 2, verses 38 and 40, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number daily. Peter offered the good news. 
the Holy Spirit opened the hearts of people to receive the good news, and then God did the rest. Peter offered, the Holy Spirit opened, God did the rest. Then and now. If you ever doubt that the Holy Spirit still continues to move among us in significant ways, I want to remind you of something that happened just a few months ago. If you've not heard about it, there was something that was called the Asbury Revival. It began on February the 8th in Asbury, Kentucky, and it began from a normal chapel worship service, and it extended into a couple weeks from February 8th to the 23rd of a continuous 24-7 prayer gathering and celebration. And it became an opportunity in which it's estimated that over 50,000 people from around the world came to be a part of that prayer experience where the sense of the Holy Spirit was present and active and powerful. And that day, a group of students after the chapel service just decided to stop and stay and pray longer, except the praying didn't stop. More and more students started to join them until it became an endless stream of singing and praying and confessing and communing and sensing something of the Holy Spirit present with them. It was a powerful, powerful time. Now you would think, listening to this, imagine being the speaker at the chapel service that day. Imagine being the speaker of a chapel service that kicked off a heavy move of the Holy Spirit where tens of thousands of people would come to gather and celebrate in the presence of God. You would think he must have knocked that message out of the park that day. You would think he must have delivered one of the best messages ever of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, knowing that tens of thousands of people would be impacted by the words of that message. But if that's what you think, you would be wrong. The gentleman's name was Zach Merkebs, and he didn't think his sermon was very good that day. In fact, he actually thought he had bombed it. After the service that day, he actually texted his wife and said, latest stinker, I'll be home soon. I mean, he totally thought he had whiffed on the sermon that day. But what Zach did do was he offered obediently the good news to the best of his ability in the context in which he found himself as led in the power of the Holy Spirit. And at the end of his message, Zach ended by praying and inviting the Holy Spirit to produce fruit and do a new thing in their midst. And the Holy Spirit did the rest. Nothing spectacular on the part of Zach, just sharing the good news the best way he knew how in his language, in a way that those in his context could hear and understand. And Pentecost happened again. May it happen again and again and again. Church, we don't have to do something spectacular because we serve a spectacular God. And so today we also pray for a fresh move of the Holy Spirit, for the fruits of the Spirit to be produced among us, and for a new movement of God to occur, where more and more and more might know and hear and be offered and receive the good news of Jesus Christ. God just needs willing vessels who say, yes, Lord, I'll go and I'll share that good news. Will you be such a vessel? To whom will you speak and deliver and share 
the good news of Jesus Christ this day. Thanks be to God.